everybody, welcome to Literary Disco on Lit Hub Radio, episode 181, Soap Operas, with Natalie Z and Travis Schultz. Today, we embrace the melodrama, the secrets, the amnesia, the surprise relative, the multiple personality <laughs> disorder, the rape, the recasting, the coming back from the dead, the love, murder, and marriages, as we talk all things soap opera with special guests, actors, Natalie Z and Travis Schultz. This is Literary Disco, the last book club you'll ever need. We're Todd, Julia, and Ryder, three old friends who love to read, debate, and sometimes even agree. I am actor and filmmaker, Ryder Strong. Joining me, as always, are novelist and critic, Todd Goldberg, and essayist and radio personality, Julia Pistel. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. So uh, let me introduce <laughs> Natalie and Travis, our special guests. For over a dozen years now, I've been lucky enough to call Natalie and Travis my friends in very, very cliche LA fashion. Natalie and my wife, Alex, met in an acting class early She's on. She's the in their only career. one that I still keep in touch still with. In touch I don't even yeah. remember. <laughs> Taylor Dane was She's in that acting class. Taylor Dane? She was, but I don't, I'm not best friends with Taylor Dane. Why, why, do, why isn't Taylor Dane on this show right yeah. now? I mean, okay. she, had, she like, had an agent for a while. That no disrespect. I like Natalie better. <laughs> no disrespect. Natalie's better. Thank you. Thank you. In I mean, every that, way. In some circles. Was Jody Watley also in the class? <laughs> just, just, the, just the Taylor Dane and Alex and some other right. people. Let me get back to my intro, guys. Oh, get sorry. Sorry. Right, sorry. <laughs> so uh, when I started dating Alex, I got introduced to uh, Natalie and Travis. And these two, not only did they host the talent show portion of our summer camp themed wedding, they have never hesitated to help with uh, like every single project that Alex and I have put together. I, we broke them into starring in every one of our short films. <laughs> Natalie gave an incredible performance at Alex's feature film, Too Late. And um, as, a, as a theater pro, Travis was one of the first people I turned to for notes when I wrote my play in 2019. You probably know Travis from his work as Keith Dudemeister on Scrubs and his recurring role on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You know Natalie from the well, the, the first version of Succession, which was a show called Dirty Sexy Money. Her role is on Justified. Wow, whoa. The following and- Just fired. Uh, <laughs> most recently, three seasons, uh, she starred on the criminally underrated comedy, The Detour for TBS. And what you might not know is that these two began their acting careers and their relationship starring on the infamous genre bending soap opera, Passions. So this year during quarantine, Natalie and Travis decided to begin a podcast where they take a look back on their time on passions, uh, being actors and their life in general called Passions for Life. So I asked these two to come on the disco and pick a book for us to read, which is uh, read, what we've always done quotes. with our guests. To read, right? <laughs> and Natalie uh, found an insanely dense academic treatise on a soap opera. Uh, and, and feminism. Uh, it's a book called No End to Her, Soap Opera and the Female Subject by Martha Nochimson. Bum, bum, bum. So we all here at the disco rolled up our sleeves, put on our feminist film theory uh, thinking hats, and we dove in. This is like seriously probably one of the most highbrow books I've it's, ever read. I'm so sorry. That's so not on brand for me. And I, well, I think maybe I was trying to be uh, like impressed. I just want to say I would have watched Passions for 15 hours. Yeah, we could have just done yeah, that. I, I uh, did not know that was an option that we could just watch Passions for 15 hours versus you reading Persephone and the soap opera. <laughs> you could have picked the Passions book, but that's uh, that's even. 
Uh, that, yeah, no, we, we have to watch, uh, we have to watch two installment, uh, two 45 minute installments of Passions every week. And trust me, 15 hours of Passions, well, you'd be brain. dead. You'd be dead. <laughs> you don't want to yeah, I, you know, it's funny. But we'd be brought back to life three seasons later as our own twin. <laughs> hey, different actors. <laughs> yeah, Ray you know, Romano is Todd. I, it's been so interesting because I, I, you know, I, I've listened to the first three episodes of your guys' podcast, and it's it's been crazy to me because, like, even though I've known you for so long, I didn't actually know anything about passions. Like, I've completely like I miss. I don't know that much about soap operas in general, but I really miss the passions period, uh, and. I also didn't realize, like, you know, I didn't know that that was your first job. And like, oh my God, listening to the first episode where you guys talk, I mean, basically your first day of work for both of you, and it was all about crime. You just completely fell apart. Had like the worst- Yeah, both of us. We just, I was, never heard of. We both, both almost didn't show back up. Yeah, we almost quit. <laughs> it's cr- but so now, Natalie, I mean, Travis, you were on the show for how long before Natalie joined? You were already, you had already done like 300 episodes or something? Uh, yeah. Almost. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had done about a year. That's about 300 A year, episodes, which is yeah. about 300, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, so he was an old pro by the time I got there. Yeah. So I know we'll talk about it in the space of the book, too, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the actual acting and writing process of a soap opera. And I've had some friends that have written and some friends that have acted in soap operas before, and they all talk about it in terms that compare it mostly to like a gulag. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nightmare. Like, Fair. like, there's the dream, right, of being a professional actor. And then like, what's it like when you're making 300 hours of television in one year? Like, at, at some point, do are you just like this is I've made a terrible decision. I I could be working at Kinko's right now and being a hell of a lot happier. Yeah, they both did on their first day. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Thought this is this is the worst mistake we've ever made. And how do I get out of it? Um because yeah, I mean I and I think this is this is the the case for a lot of acting jobs. You 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 just die to get the job and then once you've gotten the job immediately went off the job. I mean, that's my, at least that's my jam. Like that's what right. I'm famous for. I'm really famous yeah. What I'm famous for is yeah. really hating Actors are job. like, I want this job so bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it is, it's true. Like we want the job and then we get it and we're like, this isn't enough. I want more. Mm-hmm. I get, yeah. get me off this show. Yeah. And then we get off the show and we're like, why did I get, you know, why did I leave that show? Yeah. <laughs> But <laughs> all broke again. I think for soap operas, it's kind of magnified by a thousand because you're doing you're doing so much work. You're doing right. you know sometimes two episodes a day. Oh my god! It's a repetition that wears you down. It really. So how is. how many units are shooting at one time? Because there's like twelve different storylines going on. Just one. Oh, just one. Yeah, because it's it's <laughs> it's a big set and it's uh, <laughs> a lot of people. There's like four cameras though. Yeah. So right. it's basically like shooting a like a multi cam sitcom without the funny. Right. Without, without the, the right. Sorry. Without the joy. <laughs> right. right. Everything is supposed to be taken so seriously. And and you also like I, I was fascinated to hear you guys talking about having to repeat storylines and repeat beats because the idea is that the show has to re-explain where you are at every point in the like right. crazy oh narrative. God. So as an actor, like not only are you doing like 10 to 15 pages of dialogue a day memorized without like I'm imagining very little rehearsal, and you probably only get one or two takes of everything, right? Like yeah, it's basically yeah. live. Um, but it's also 
pretty horrible dialogue. <laughs> it's well, like okay, yes, yeah. on passions it was. But what I noticed, <laughs> and I talk a little bit about this. What I noticed was I had tested for every every soap that was on the air by the time I got passions, and and the pattern that I had seen emerging was that the the dialogue was actually really actor friendly. Um, oh, interesting. They've been doing it for so long that it was they had learned how to write it in a way that was made it easy to memorize. And I, I know normally as actors the 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 narrative is you know it, good dialogue is really easy to learn bad dialogue right. is hard hard to learn which is the mm -hmm. truth but somehow they found this like nice like middle bit where the dialogue was not great but it was very user-friendly yeah passions didn't do that and we talk a lot about <laughs> how it sounds like and i think i might want to give travis the credit for this it sounds like a language like portuguese that was translated back into english <laughs> And that was it, just one time. Just one time. And we would have to, we would get on state, we'd get on the, the set and, and we'd have to correct grammar. Uh -huh. And they would, they would sometimes, they would sometimes push back and we're like, no, no, this is just grammatically incorrect. We, I, <laughs> it, not me. Right. right. <laughs> just, so I want to go back a second because yeah. as you know, this is a show about reading and writing. I'm so fascinated. Can you give us an example of a line that's like built for an actor or built for memorization? Um, just the way that the actor, what people, human beings speak. Yeah. Really. I mean, okay, it's, it's okay. So, so that that's the, the bar. Criteria is so it's so low. Right. The, the way is... human beings speak. No, you know what? Yeah. I, I, I go 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 for it, Travis. What, well, what I was I was gonna say the soap opera stuff is like antiquated language. I I I said to uh, uh, one of like this police officer that messed up this investigation. I said this is the this is. What is it? Slapshot? Slipshod police work. Does anyone know? <laughs> Did you also, do it? we messed up and a lot. I, 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 remember, I remember when I came in on that job and I was like, there's been a typo because this isn't a word. And they're like, oh, no, that's a word. That they used in that's the 30s. That's a word that they used in the 30s. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's a writer with a thesaurus being like, I can't just say right. that again. Did you, do it? Did you do it in the 1930s voice? That's a slipshod <laughs> police work <laughs> guy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 chasing will beat the the what kind daylights of daylights out of You know, my, I, I've thought about this, Julia, to answer your, like, most often for me, or, you know, and, and with my talking to my wife, Alex, because she's done more of the sort of police procedural stuff, that's the hardest is like um, expositional. Mm, whenever yeah. it has no intention behind it, whenever you yeah. don't know why you're saying it, but you just have to get this information out, that's the kind of dialogue that, and so when you're watching like an NCIS or CSI, those are the actors that are struggling <laughs> because, yes, you know, to memorize it because they have to say stuff like, wait a minute, you know, this, you know, this cadaver was, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's like all these technical terms or addresses or names and figures. And that's the crap that actors hate to have to memorize. That makes right. it really difficult. Yeah. And so I think you're right on soap operas, actually the intentions are always pretty clear. In fact, you know, they're, there's no such Plain. thing as subjects. It's just text. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I can't believe you did this to me. I was feeling this way and now I feel this way. You know, and so I imagine that that is pretty actor friendly because you can sort of like, oh, I can jump right in there and know you can, what I'm saying and why I'm saying it. Yeah. On right. on the other soaps, you, yes. You do that on, <laughs> on, on <laughs> you do you do that on Monday and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you, you say that over and over again. And then oh on God. Friday, you get a new thing to act. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so that's why two things a week. You're saying, you're saying, I'm so upset with you. 
I'm I'm still I I I can't imagine how upsetting this is. <laughs> uh, the thing you said to me has really got me upset. You know, that's like you're only on Wednesday now. Oh my god! So I'm really curious. Oh, go ahead, Ryder. Well, I was just gonna say, like, when because you know, listening to your podcast and you both, it seems like both of you, when you're telling your origin story. When you got the job or when you got the audition, there was a moment of like, ugh, a soap. Like <laughs> yeah. neither of you were really that excited. So how did that change or did that change? Like how did your relationship, and, and obviously now you, you're, you're very freely talking smack about passions. Like, so how was, <laughs> was there ever a point where you were like, no, this is a great job and this is a great, you know, this is where I want to be as an artist or what I want to be a part of. Like, did it ever change into that? Or was it always like, ugh? I, I saw it as an opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity yeah. to um, get, like I, I call it um, my um, um, master acting class, but I got right. paid. Like, right. and so I looked at it like that. I was like, this is my chance to hone my skills on camera and, you know, not be on a you know major show. And I'm going to make, I'm going to make money. Yeah. The stakes right. were low. And so I, I, you know, I was like, all right. And then and then there was the idea that it was a new show and there was a lot of popularity. I mean, we were, we were in time magazine and, you know, then I started thinking, well, wait a second, if I, re I can really, if I just work hard enough and just, <laughs> you know, I, I thought I could believe the Marlon, I could be the Marlon Brando of daytime soap opera. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I, I was like, I was raring to go cause I was yeah. young and I was ambitious and, and then every- Look what it did for Jack Wagner. <laughs> I mean, and it was, it was, there was an obstacles in my way every day over and over again. And it just wore me down. So when you guys were younger, um, like when you guys were kids, did you guys watch soaps at all? I did. I don't think Travis did. I, every once in a while. Yeah. I, I was, I was hooked on uh, Young and the Restless when I was um, probably in middle school, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe a little younger. And I, I got, I got the fever. Yeah. I mean, I was. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki, and Victor had me oh. by the balls. Victor, Victor Kiriakis? Is that who you're speaking yeah, of? Victor Kiriakis, yeah. And then the whole cricket, uh, cricket, Lauren, Danny oh, triangle yes. that was, yeah, that <laughs> famous triangle. Um, I remember Lauren was such a bitch, um, and cricket was perfect, and it was just I like felt like hook, line, and sinker. And then when I was in um, high school, I would come home from school and watch days at right. lunch Catch. I had a full 20 minutes to eat my sandwich and um <laughs> at that point i was i was i was a huge snob about the whole thing because i was gonna go you know be on broadway and <laughs> not, not bother with with daytime daytime drama not like having absolutely no idea you know how the whole thing works yeah. and so i um i mean i think that was part of my contribution to um just the feeling like this was going to be a big mistake but also like i was broke and right. you know at the end of the day a job's a job and so the i mean the opportunity i think we are kind of on the same page the opportunity we saw was cash money right. and we you know at that age making that kind of money mm -hmm. our friends were not making that kind of, and i just needed a break i'd been hoofing it for like three years getting nothing and i was like i'm just tired hilarious tired at 26. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so worn down by life God. 
Oh my God. You don't want to hear about the time I had a nervous breakdown at the Magic Castle on my oh, 25th I birthday, story. I assure you. <laughs> he um, only finished one novel at 25. Can you imagine? Oh God, oh God yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You t- like that that era of daytime TV, like uh, my sisters were deep into it, like deep, deep into it. They got yeah. Soap Opera Digest at home and wow. like they would mark it up and like they, wow. my sisters and their and her friends or their friends would like, have conversations about what was happening with the Cassadines and the Quartermains and Patch yeah. and all that stuff. And it was like they were real people that lived in our home that were fighting existential organized crime forces <laughs> <laughs> in a small harbor city <laughs> who lived inside of our living room. Yep. But like the soap opera digest, my sister would would like was highlighting it like, oh, that this is important. Wow. Remember this for later. <laughs> we'll get to the book in a second but so for me my association is my mom and my aunt watched all my children for forever so it's like got this like homey feeling to me it's like mm-hmm. you come home mm-hmm. your mom's put the, puts the vhs in of all my children that she taped during the day you find out what susan lucci's up to and i have like yeah. very vivid memories of some of those storylines yeah um, it's a good time it is a comfort time. for a lot of a lot of people mm-hmm. it's it's, it's yeah. very nostalgic she uh she took the role over for susan lucci's daughter yeah susan lucci's daughter was playing playing gwen when i went and she was she, my fiance she quit show. and i i took over the role Wow. She quit oh, wow. to just pursue other acting stuff? No, or? she quit to get married, which I don't think anybody told her that you could get married and all <laughs> <laughs> Well, I- it was, No, it was, it was a bigger, it was it a bigger was a thing. Bigger deal because- <laughs> She's lovely, I'm they, not talking shit on her. <laughs> Sorry. They told her she was gonna be the star of the show. That's how they caught her. Yeah. And then what happened was everybody loved Teresa. Yeah, and I would have probably left. And she was like, well, she was sold a bill of goods. Yeah. You know, she was and, she was yeah. the bad. She was the one that you you didn't like. And <laughs> and by the time she came back, so fun fact: when I right. left, she replaced me again. So um, I think. Oh I, my god! It's a double recasting. It's a double recasting. I mean, it's so so incredible. Amazing. The yeah, double so, presto changeo. Exactly. Um, That's so awesome. It was such a coup. I'm so glad that they. <laughs> um, but when she came back, I think. I think I this isn't I we didn't talk about it, but I think she had a, a sort of renewed vigor for right. the character and for getting you know get the zeal of playing a it. villainess. And yeah, yeah, I think I think she saw an opportunity and was like, oh no, that's how I'm supposed to play this part. Um, you know so- the other thing that I recall from that time period though, um, which is weird, is like people like wrote let I mean they talk about this in the book too a little bit, but like people would write letters to the showrunners being like, you must change this storyline oh, or yeah. I'll never watch again. Like there was like concerted efforts yeah. of people to change the narrative of the show. Like it was a choose your own adventure. Yeah, right. well it was right. in this book they talk you know? about- Yeah, they talk about it. They talk about yeah. it, yeah. They had to, they got so much hate mail uh, that they had to pull a <laughs> character. Isn't that amazing? Like it's yeah. crazy to consider that. But that's it's, that's kind of one of the unique things about it. Cause I mean, yeah, you that's talked about it, you hit it. Like we were in their house five days a week yeah. And they would people. come up, fans would come up to me on the street and be like, you need to, why do you treat Teresa that way? <laughs> right. right. What the fuck are you talking, I am Travis. Yeah, you have to introduce yeah. yourself, you have to say nice to meet you. My I'm name is brunch. Travis. Um, what's right. your name? Hi, I'm Travis. Thank you for supporting the show. Yeah. 
I don't. So like you like you actually have to speak to them as though like to remind them that you're a human being so they don't kill you, right? I right. Just, right. Yeah. 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 Hank on the show, people would scream at him. They'd be like, "You are no good. You are no good for Sheridan." Yeah. <laughs> you're a bad man. Yeah. And it was like yeah, I mean, that level of intensity and uh, association is really interesting. It's, you know, in this I'm book, she talks you, you yeah, a, little bit, a little bit, but, but you know, with a comedy, I just think it was always, but oh, of course, my character was the sort of soap operatic character on Boy Meets yeah. World. Um, so yeah, there was definitely a, a, a little bit, but you know, like you're saying, the regularity, five days a week, that's a lot, a you lot, know, and, yeah. and that's a lot for somebody to just, you know, be wasting time, killing time, hanging out in your house, like, it, I think there is a much closer intimacy that yeah. you develop over time. Um, and I wonder how it is in the age of the internet, you know, because the, the book we read today was written in the early 90s. And uh, I think it's for an audience dated. from the 1800s. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but I imagine that the, the, the letter writing, I mean, I'm sure there are just message boards filled with people's opinions on you know and, I'm, well, and yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if the writers for the shows probably engage with them and, and i'm and, sure and, i mean the message yeah. boards became a thing when we were when we were on the show that's when message boards kind of were in oh game. right right and sure. i remember going i was told very explicitly do not go on the message boards wise council because you were a villain right so everyone just hated you yeah, yeah but i wasn't i wasn't like a fun villain i was just like weak and kind of spineless um so <laughs> and i and that was partly my fault i was trying to play her down the middle which was so dumb um and now yeah. we know this we talk a lot we talk about a that. lot about we that. opportunities guys let's let's free you from your pain <laughs> you're freed from this <laughs> You did what you had you to sure? do. Look, you were 26. Man, yeah. we really yeah. could have. There's just so many. Going back, it's like just seeing all the mistakes we made. But Hold okay. no one responsible for what they do in their 20s. But that's, that's my the motto. thing about soaps. That's so, yeah, it's it's less like a regular show than it looks like, of course, right? It's an mm -hmm. alternate reality. It mm -hmm. goes on and on forever. That's part of the thesis of this book. And that like lack of normal linear structure means you can do whatever you want. So yeah, yeah. Well, and and passions did apparently. And passions did. I mean, they really. So they were known. I mean, I didn't quite realize this. They were known for being the the kind of the craziest, the most out there. Oh, by far. Right. Yeah. Okay. So and why is that? Because they were there were witches. What what was going on? <laughs> yes, there was yeah. Witch. There were witch several witches. So what happened was. <laughs> What had happened was angels. Angel, um, angels. Okay. angels. Riley, who created Passions, he was part of that whole Days of Our Lives storyline. You know the famous one. You guys know um, where uh, Deirdre Hall. I don't remember her character's name. Um, she became possessed by the devil. It was huge. It was huge. It was what big happens? news. Oh, um, it was the stuff going on when I was in high school. When yeah. I would come home and my dad and I would point and laugh at the TV. <laughs> Little did I know. Um, <laughs> So she gets possessed. It's this big to do. And James Riley is credited for having sort of revitalized the soap the, genre. The ratings were in the, yeah. in the dump. Yeah. Right. And once this magical element was introduced, people were talking about it. It wasn't great, but people were talking right. about it, which is all that matters. So right. he, I guess, and now I'm, I'm kind of talking out of my ass. I guess he was commissioned by NBC to, to do a new soap. Um, somehow, and this was the, and I, I'm assuming that they were hoping for that that element, mm. yeah. um, which they got in droves. Um, there, yeah. so so the major. You want to talk about Tabitha and Timmy? Because I don't. <laughs> Who? 
No, it was, it was a witch that uh, had a doll that would come a, come to life. Well, and uh, uh, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on Look, board. I can, I can, I can submit myself to angels. I can yep. submit myself to witches. But when Chucky shows up, <laughs> yep, yeah, and he was dressed wow. like Chucky too. Yeah, he was dressed like a, a doll. And, yeah. and so when people, we just discovered um, this too. When people were around, he was a doll. But right. when it was just him and and the witch, he was a person. So wait, a, like a little boy. Would play a part. Yeah. Well, right. no, he was, uh, he was twenty, I think, but he oh. was a, a small person. Right. And um, they, yeah, they wanted something that was, I, I and it's funny because Ben in right. our in our podcast, Ben Hayes, who does the podcast with us, he pointed out that probably the reason they instead of getting a a kid, yeah. um, was right. because of our, you know, oh, yeah. right, right, right. you got it. Um. So yeah, they, they were able to work him a lot more than they would an actual child. So, but people were just, yeah, literally. literally yeah. yeah. Um, people were just enamored with this storyline because it was so out there and crazy. <laughs> and so passions became the show mm-hmm. about the witch and the doll. So people like right. us who were doing like the straight stuff, we were not, nobody would talk about us. And, you know, we we're 26 year old egomaniacs and we were like, what about us? We're beautiful. Right. And <laughs> but, but I mean, there, there's also like, I mean, there's a lineage, right? Cause it like that comes from dark shadows that people would accept yes. that in the middle of yeah. the afternoon, this, you know, crazy yeah. weird shit. Yeah. But dark shadows had been off the air for like 20 years 20 or something years. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of comparisons and I, and I, I don't know if Riley, um, did that intentionally or just embraced it once it was out there. Mm-hmm. But I think he also worked on, he also kind of came up in Santa Barbara. Uh, I think he was on that show a little. Yeah. So the, the, um, some I of the stuff that they that talk about so at the, the end stuff, of the book. Yeah. I think yeah, I had never heard of Santa Barbara, but it's, it's interesting. She sort of picks up on that one. as like one of the, the better of the soap operas. It's um, the one she worked on. Yeah. <laughs> so by default <laughs> so she's made yeah so let's talk about no end to her yeah let's uh, talk about this this book <laughs> soap opera and the female subject it's written by martha nochinson this was by far the most like academic book i've read since i left college i can't believe i did that to you that's just uh, yeah I can no, it's good it's good it was it was it was actually interesting and i you know so i the, the just to give our listeners the basic idea, if I can try and <laughs> break it down into a go basic for idea, it. it's um, she really uh, she she takes a super academic feminist and linguistic theory approach to the soap opera as a medium, and essentially um, she ends up sort of she she, she piggybacks on some ideas. Uh, first presented by Laura Mulvey in a really seminal essay that that I did read in my film theory class in college called Visual Visual Pleasure and the Narrative Cinema, which was this sort of groundbreaking feminist essay that talked about how the the film, because it was made by men and primarily for a male viewer in mind, that that the viewing experience of watching a movie is primarily the male gaze. Um, And that was like the big sort of breakthrough essay that opened the floodgates for a lot of different theories to sort of people that disagree with that or to talk or to bolster that argument and talk about how, you know, film is essentially this this male dominated um, uh, perspective. And so she really builds on that idea and, and presents the notion that the soap opera is 
uh, a way to resist that and to deconstruct it um, because it is nonlinear or not nonlinear, but uh, non never ending. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's eternal. eternal. <laughs> because it's open ended, right? Because right. she sort of right. and 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 she makes this case the the case that 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 the uh, the the traditional movie is masculine because it is closed and has an ending and that the soap opera is more is because it's open-ended and then and, but but then she also does, spends a lot of time comparing it to freudian yes. theories of yes. edible uh, stories and can persephone I, can i can i read a brief passage to yeah. for the readers to, under, to understand the accessibility of the language by which yes. this book is written in <laughs> sorry if the Freudian uncanny involves a peculiar sense that there is something unsettlingly familiar about the terrifying, the intimacy with the maternal when we're completely helpless, the feminine version of the uncanny involves a pre-sentiment that something horrible lurks beneath the surface of the familiar, the supposedly protective paternal. In the heroine's text, the uncanny produces the shock of recognition about the underside of mainstream, quote, normality. Yeah. Can, I, can I say something? Yeah. I am so relieved. I think I highlighted that one too. I'm so relieved that you guys are are claiming that this is a tough read because the entire time I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, I really should have gone to college because this is very, very <laughs> difficult. For me. Hey, look, I got I got news for you. I, I'm a full professor at the University of California and I wanted to set myself on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a relief. I really, I mean, I'm sorry you no. guys had to go through it, but it really makes me feel better knowing. Now this book is, is in a lot of ways, the sort of best and worst of, of film theory, yes. uh, which, is, which is best in the sense that I love taking a serious approach at something like soap operas, you know? Yeah. And the idea totally. of taking, and, and yes, like, you know, the basic argument that she makes right off the bat is that this is an art form that is so popular and it should should be respected and should be uh, treated as a narrative that that um, has a huge influence on the culture and, and reflects the culture, but also has changed the culture and is, a, you know, is a feminist discourse. I love that idea, uh, but it's also the sort of worst of film theory in that it's, it's the jargon and yeah. the, I, I mean, I, I could have told you without reading the date yeah. that this was written sometime between 1985 and 1999. Yeah. Because I, sure. I feel like when I was in college, this was this was like all the rage. This is yeah. what every film department, every every English class was was reading these kinds of essays, which again, like I remember the excitement was like, let's crack open a new type of text. You know, we're no yeah. longer gonna take the white male stuff seriously which i loved like i loved that the effort and the but then the actual writing and the actual theories like i just i just don't buy this freudian crap i just no. don't buy it like <laughs> it doesn't hold up it doesn't last like i don't need to be told why the patch you know whatever storyline from this episode relates to a persephone myth of castration yeah. and like well no, if just, i just may make a sweeping uh statement yeah <laughs> This feels like the patriarchy. Like we have to justify soap operas and our love of soap operas within oh, yeah. this language of Freud, within the mm. language of academia, when really now from our 2020 lens, we can all just be like, we love Jane the Virgin. I watch I watch Passions all day while waiting for the world to end. And that's where we are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that, you know, like it feels almost defensive. Now, obviously, I think this 
actually was a dissertation, right? Um, yeah. There's so no way there's it a, couldn't be. Yeah. There's a context. <laughs> what else could it be? Yeah, there's a context that that is different than we're reading, which she had to write her dissertation, and this is what she picked. So yeah. she's going in a reverse direction than we're going, which is I want to read about soap operas, so I guess I'm going to read somebody's dissertation. Right. But I do feel like, like there is some level of defensiveness here like we must to take it seriously we must use this really complex language right um well and i think that i think you're right i think it's indicative of the time because now there's you know it's not an accident that travis and i are revisiting this thing in our lives that we were kind of embarrassed about for a long time and didn't really talk about and kind of shied away from like in prep you know you know, in the press, people would ask me, be like, oh, that was just a thing I did. And now we're suddenly like doing a, a 180 and embracing it because mm-hmm. of the time that we're living in. There's, it's yeah. so much more accepted to be like, hey, shit can be fun and stupid. Right. Yes, and yes, yes. It doesn't make me less of an intellectual or, or, or right. less deep or interesting or whatever. It just means that it's, it's a part of, it was a part of our lives and a really important part of our lives. And that, that's why, you know, I feel like you make a great a great point about how sort of frozen in time this whole concept is whereas now it's like yeah let's like try and find like you know any kind of feminist bent on this that doesn't isn't like what 200 pages long but you know Um, also over the course of the last you know eight months that we've all been stuck in our homes you've been seeing a lot of this sort of pop psychology application oh this isn't pop psychology this is a little bit deeper but pop (laughs) psychology application to things from our past that we loved mm-hmm. as to try to explain why we're stupid for loving them. Like, like, look, I don't need every six weeks for someone in the Atlantic to tell me why you've got mail is a pro-capitalist, you know, diatribe. Like Nora Ephron wasn't thinking about that. She wanted a movie with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to make a billion dollars. Um, but like you, or there, do you guys remember there was at the beginning of the pandemic, there was an article about how the only people who truly understand Keanu Reeves are are um, millennials, <laughs> and like what? for what? a week, yeah, I, yeah I it was an article. I think I remember hearing. <laughs> it was a stupid like, article. Really? It was an article that swept the internet for like the first four days of the pandemic, where people were like, "Let's kill that motherfucker! I'm Gen X. Keanu's Gen X." Um, but oh. like, it's there's this this need I think to contextualize the things that we love as though it's shameful that we love them like I often love Keanu Reeves I don't give a shit who he belongs to yeah well I mean and we're getting letters from people who are you know Mm -hmm. very normal interesting smart articulate people who um which is sort of different from the fan letters we used to get um (laughs) and what we're realizing is that yeah I mean the, the people who were there were so many more people out there who are consuming this this crazy wacky soap um, that had the same feelings as we did. They, I mean, they were rolling their eyes just along along with right. us. Um, and it was it's, their escape. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's yeah. great to hear from them and to hear like, oh, we make we make fun of it too, but we also love it um, the same way you do. I I will say though, I had uh, the, this concept of you know no end to her this this concept of like this infinite loop. That, that soaps <laughs> go on and, and, and that and her tying that into a sort of feminist credo that I found that obviously very interesting because yeah. I played I played a female character on a soap. Yeah. Right. And the idea that that the 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 soap opera, she states the soap opera 
the genre is about female desire, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Travis and I had talked about this and feel free to jump in because it it confused me Um, because on one hand, I thought, well, then passions did it wrong because it favored the men. And on the other hand, Travis has some thoughts. Um, Right. Because I I was thinking in reading her, (laughs) her perspective of that, I thought how my character's identity, I was in a love triangle with Gwen and Teresa. Uh And I was, I was thinking about how Ethan's identity was only relate, could only be defined by Teresa, Mm. Gwen, or my mom. my mom or my father who i had that you know oedipal thing he was this bad influence on me and i was kind of like oh yeah maybe i wasn't in charge and when i'm watching <laughs> now i'm like mm-hmm. i'm always telling her i'm gonna tell you who i'm gonna marry soon <laughs> and then I'll be Teresa, and i'll be like i love you this will all be over soon and it's like it is it it, it comes across like i'm in control but when you look at it from this perspective it's like no i'm i'm just trying to figure out who i'm going to be after this moment yeah which which, which woman, woman i'm going to identify I'm with i'm going to identify right. yeah. that's sort of that's fascinating right yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean yeah, 20 years later and it, it's yeah. it's funny because uh, uh i was very frustrated because i'm i was frustrated as an actor because right because you wanted to have an ending. <laughs> Make a decision. Yeah. Take an All the women were like, no, we could go forever. This right. is fine. Right. I'm like, <laughs> when are we going to resolve this? And then, you know, you would, and then it would go on eventually. But the well, other, that's, I, yeah, that's super interesting because I, I mean, it, it is, because that is like such a pillar of her argument that I, I, kept wondering about like, I, I don't know, like, do we really think that because a movie has an ending or a, a main character who achieves a goal? or does not achieve a goal, that that is somehow masculine? Like that's just a really interesting idea. I was really wanting to get on board with it. Um, And I I think at times I can wrap my head around it and I I see what she's saying. And then at other times, I think, especially having lived it, um, (laughs) I just don't, I don't, I'm curious to know if I had read this book Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to read back then. So um, I, I would have, somebody would have had to scripts. dictate it to me. Yeah, I just, it was longer than a script. No, thank you. Um, I'm actually not kidding. Um, but I wonder if if I had read this book back right. then before starting, if I would have been able to apply it and maybe have not only a better time of it, mm-hmm. but also um, make the character more interest i don't i don't feel like but, my character but she like- also she also says something important which is that like there's not a chance that anyone writing these soap operas thought about any of the stuff that i'm talking about right <laughs> and also when she goes into there's this great uh section and i wanted so much more of this when she goes into um actor chemistry mm-hmm. yes that was a great i, I was like yeah. let's make the book about this yeah yeah, yeah. well and, and and that as well as when she talked about at times the actors would come to the writers and they would say, I don't see the character going this way. Mm-hmm. I right. I think this is w- the way it should go. And and then the writers would be open to that. On our show, on Passions, that was that was you, it was screaming you, into the void. You had to be one of two people on the show and we weren't one of those two people. Like there, right. there was the stars <laughs> yeah. and then there was everyone else. And the, even they right. probably didn't get... And the veterans, the veterans got their way The veterans more didn't than care. Us, they just they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they were, they, they were like, the we get a paycheck, fuck it. Which is interesting because she actually points to that kind of structure as bad for soap operas. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that like a, a, command, a demanding EP yes. or one person, she says is not 
really the best way to make a soap opera that a soap opera is a collaborative effort. Right. I thought, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Cause I mean, I definitely felt that, you know, and on the, on the multi-camera, um, the sitcom world, like you get, you get the sense of an ensemble after a while, you know, mm -hmm. everybody, the more people are able to contribute as a team, the better the show gets. I, you know, it's, I think it's that's for so many, right, yeah. I mean, comedy, comedies and soaps mostly, I right. think maybe dramas, not so much, but, but getting yeah. back to the chemistry stuff, what they mm. discover, what she discovers is that a lot of the um, super couples on, on soaps, at least back then were accidents. Yeah. They were, right. um, you, yeah. you know, with the exception of Kayla and, and Patch, I think um, everyone at like Luke and Laura, I guess Tony Geary was just a, like a fucking under five or something like walking right. in the scene right. and they had an mm -hmm. exchange like, can I get you some coffee or whatever? Somebody saw something. Somebody saw it. And that's so, some fan that's so cool. <laughs> well, yeah. mm -hmm. I love that she, she actually says it seems biological. Right. Like she actually says that. I was like, I've never thought of chemistry as biological, but she's like, but there's something <laughs> about these people like just needing to be together. And like, mm -hmm. we want to come back next week and watch them do it again. And well, they like, trusted well. that. They trusted it enough to yeah. like right. put a whole, you know, so Empire. I mean, you know, they maybe it didn't it start out. out that way, but yeah. Um, I loved that, that she touched on that. And again, I, I would have liked to have heard a little more about that yeah. and less about fucking Persephone, but you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, it, if it had actually been not like an oral history, but if like it, if it was a, a history of one season of General Hospital, for instance, mm -hmm. where they I'll, talked about I'll look it out there, I just didn't pick it. Right. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> next week when we continue our path down uh, <laughs> right. soap opera literature, but like that that stuff about Luke and Laura is fascinating because you know that was the moment at which um, soap opera culture stepped outside of soap opera culture and it became Can we talk um, about this for a second became american culture yeah mm. this is huge this is this, this misperception supposed mis mis misperception mis misconception that um these are her words that a rape occurred when it didn't i'm reading this and i'm like oh mm -hmm. lady oh yeah. i don't know if we can do this right now and and travis and i had to talk about it and we went back and watched. We went back and I, I, he, you watched more than I did because I ended up having right. to go to work, and so I got the like prelude to the. I don't. Do you ever see it on? Does it? No. Does, does the sex ever happen on camera? No. Okay. Mm, they kind of go out of frame. Gotcha. But so having watched it, what what do you what do you say? Well, I I think you know, <laughs> looking at it from the twenty first century, it's like well, yeah. It, it's no, means no. no means no right, right. No means no. Uh, that's the bottom line yeah right. i mean what she was pointing out is she says this is what stuck out with me she said we didn't have the dialogue to define what that relation what what happened in that scene back then as we do now right. because there was, there was desire on both sides right but but she comes back but, but no then, means no but laura comes back later and says just kidding I was, that was not a rape. I was feeling other things and I was taking, I was taking it out on, on Luke. I mean, it's very complicated. I, like, yeah. like this subject matter always is. It's so crazy to me. I mean, just the idea, I mean, I just didn't, cause I never watched soap operas. I know nothing about them really. Uh, so just the idea that sort of from the beginning of the form, rape was always kind of, always. it was yeah. there. It was but just I mean, such, it, it hovers over in, so much of it. That's yeah. in the history of romance literature too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I they're, quote, they're, they're tied hand to hand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the great, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the heir that's not, uh, what, what is it? The bastard child, you know, it's right. such a great melodramatic tool. Yeah. You know, this okay. guy's coming in to take the- uh, If I can. Take over the family. She talks about, um, 
about fairy tales and how the hero heroine's triumph over violence is a great consolidation um, yeah. or mm -hmm. consolation yeah. to children because it both acknowledges what they know about um, the terrors of the real world and promises that these can be neutralized. She says, <laughs> I suggest the same thing is true for the represent representation of women in media. It is consoling to see violence against women acknowledged as long as the heroine herself is granted the power to deal with it. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that mm -hmm. part. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that was really, I mean, it goes back to the idea that, that this was a form created by women for women, right? Yeah. And so if, you know, it seems like eventually part of that, you know, empowering that that voice and is going to, confront sexual violence and like and i'm glad it does i guess you know it's just unfortunate that it also leads to marriage in so many cases <laughs> or you know like that's the part where i go all right uh, how much point. The, yeah exactly like you 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 yeah you 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 addressed something that was not being discussed in mainstream media that that men writing movies which was true like men were writing and directing every fucking movie out there right at this time yeah. so so they would not necessarily approach rape or even any sort of sexual violence. They wouldn't be in, it wouldn't even enter the, the frame. So the fact that soap opera makes a space for that to me is such an act of empowerment, but then the weird fact that it gets somehow rationalized or becomes part of a romantic storyline is just very disconcerting. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't really know how to feel about it. And I also don't know if it's really my place to make a decision or how to well, understand. And that's, that's because the story just keeps going. It just right. keeps going and going and going. Twisting so, and turning. What's the next twist? Yeah. Yeah. Eventually they got to have a kid or get married, you know, yeah, right. someone right. gets pregnant. I'm also fascinated by, and she talks about this a bit, like, how soap operas exist outside of our history in most cases. Mm -hmm. um, but then like sometimes they'll pay some lip service to it. There's a show where there's a, there's a yield Nazi, you know, yes. that, that, that rolls up into it. But you know, these shows that have been on the air for 50, 60 years or whatever to sort of exist outside of real time. Yeah. But also be able to affect social mores, I think is interesting. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know when this happened, but I presume, and maybe you guys know, like, was homosexuality, did that become a thing where there's actual gay characters in, yes. in Port Arthur at yes. some point? <laughs> Right. It, it, it yeah. was but not, it, not, no, not a lot, not a lot. I no. think probably, and I would actually just as, just as a fun exercise with all our spare time, would love to um, watch a soap. Uh, there's only three on now mm -hmm. or four right. is it three or four um <laughs> it's it's been whittled down um and to see how what kind of social changes have been made to see mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i know that there have been gay characters um from like you know i mean even they talk about it in this book she talks about it in this book a little bit um i i think maybe on days I right. can't be sure. But I even remember watching, but but what, what she points out is that they, they never get to be the hero. They never no, get to be, no. especially, just, you know, in any yeah. kind of like super couple or even couple um, situation. Um, I don't know if that's changed. I think it probably has. Um, but but I, did you guys I notice the weird fact that in two of these storylines involving rape, 
there is a transvestite yes. character oh, that is like a confidant. Transvestites that was were big. so weird to me. Yes. Oh, no, no. I was Trans like, transvestites right. showed up a lot. I remember yes. that. Yes. And, and that is very because, like, even the concept of a transvestite is not really like a category we talk no. about anymore. You know, yes. now we have, you know, tra like, yeah. trans trans means something else. Now. Right. But, but back yeah. then, it was the idea that there was some, a man in particular who liked dressing women's clothing and that that was itself this kind of pathology. Like, pathology. Yeah. But then it I also, mean, in these stories, it sounds like they became a confidant or a support for a woman who had been raped, which is like, oh, right. That kind of makes sense as a gender bending character who can be like both a man and a woman right. to recognize the, you know, and support this person through the sexual, you know, trauma. Like the man that, that she can trust. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. That but is it's, so weird. But it's also tied to, you know, at the time, like Dress to Kill and you know, other movies like that that were permeating popular culture. One well, Eddie, Eddie Izzard was- Yeah. Was to, yeah. So all, all the stuff that was permeating Crying. in the culture was, you know, would, would trickle down a little bit, but it's also this sort of, like, you still have to fear this unknown creature of yes, the night. This, that's other. <laughs> yeah. It talks a lot about the other. And yeah, the, the others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And now that I actually believe the writers were doing. <laughs> you yes, know, yes. like that was that was, that was an actual oh fucked up choice that these people made. I mean, there's a yeah. point in the book where um our author Martha says, and she she gets a little angry actually. She says, <laughs> Soap opera is written by bad writers and by good writers. It is performed by intelligent, compelling actors and by trite, insipid actors. <laughs> It is produced and directed by people of great vision who are sensitive to the medium and by desperate hacks whose sole <laughs> purpose is to get an image on the screen every day. Well, like, yeah. You begin yeah, she's see, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's right, but you also begin to see like, there's the side of, oh, the professionals. And then what she truly believes is like, but about 82% of you were you <laughs> insipid fucking assholes. Yeah, she didn't trust yeah. us. She's yeah. not, not that she's probably wrong, but. No. She's not yeah. wrong. She's well, not her, but she is, she's, she is coming from a place of anger. What she's really saying here is that the form is its own. It's so independent of any other form. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That all different kinds of people and talents can enter and exit. And it doesn't affect how unique the format is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's, I mean, I wonder how much like fan fiction culture comes from the soap world like is oh, yeah. is oh, the soap so world like the core of our current american reality but we mm. just don't even recognize that because now everything is a soap you yeah. know what i mean mm. like yeah. game of well, thrones writers yeah. getting inundated that's soapy game of thrones is soapy even yep. though we're yeah. like this is a premiere hbo oh experience. soapy as shit yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, that's that's one yeah. of the analogies I made to Lovecraft. Was, Lovecraft I was country, like, yeah. Lovecraft is the way passions is passions now, like right. done really well. Mm -hmm. Beautiful we people. Had the budget and they the got the budget. Talent. They got the special right. effects and the talent, and because that that show is just all over the place. Right. But but people love it. People love it, and mm. you can't stop watching it. Yeah. Yeah. American Horror Story. Yeah. All that. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, the, the, in terms of the fan fiction. Um, it, there was a there was a lot i remember um lots of like couples standing like like right. interesting couples being matched up in people's imaginations that never would like when the character i played and and a character named hank um who yeah. they, i don't know why they never got together um 
because he was six five and you were I, five six. <laughs> seven. Thank you very much. Wow. Insight into the marriage for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We've seen it all. But I, I think I think the fan fiction connection is it, it points to the fact that part of enjoying a soap opera, it seems like, is is, is, is speculation, right? Is like participation yes, yes, and yes. speculation because you know that there's potential of stories going absolutely anywhere. Yes. And so as a viewer, that's part of the, the pleasure, right? It's like sitting around with a soap opera digest and, and keeping track of who's dated who and who's a brother to who and, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. that it's like a weird participatory form, um, even more so than I would say like Game of Thrones or, you know, I mean, Game of Thrones and like Walking Dead, I feel like there's there's always this idea that it's going to end someday, that mm -hmm. it should yeah. end someday. And right. in fact, when it does, everyone's disappointed, right? Like that's inevitable. Right. But yeah. it, 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 it resists being a soap opera and it does, you know, because there's the idea that it's heading somewhere. Whereas like a soap opera, it's built in. It's like weird and there's no closure. And so as a viewer, you, you get into, that is part of what you like about it is like, oh, anything could happen. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna somehow, and my imagination is contributing to this. That's yeah. Really well, and I think that, that's exactly why I had such a frustrating time with Passions in particular not because it was a soap opera, but because th those possibilities never came came through. They, they, they right. it was just all completely, just nothing but repetition. It was the same couples, the same rhetoric, the same storylines, and they didn't, that's what I mean. Like, I feel like Passions really missed the boat because they didn't follow, they didn't keep their contract with the audience. Mm -hmm. um, and they didn't follow the best rules of soaps. The contract right. with the audience says, I'm gonna do this for you if you keep watching. And then they wouldn't. Like they right. would they would promise a payoff and then they wouldn't deliver. And then yeah. they would they would say, but also we're gonna follow the soap rules, and then they wouldn't. And they would right. they would take all the best soap rules and throw them out the out the window, and then we would just get the whatever trash was left behind. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hey, can I ask you have a like, lot to work out, Natalie? <laughs> we're doing can I ask, a podcast. Can I ask a question that is completely off the topic of everything we were talking about, but is related to working on a soap? Yeah. Okay. So you're on a soap for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden you have to start kissing a person who you've known as your friend for five years, and now all of a sudden they are your romantic entanglement. How weird is that? Um, that's a great question. Uh I, uh, okay, so I'll tell you, it's not, it's not um, solely reserved for soaps. I'm doing a show right now where I, the other night, was kissing an actor whom I've known for 12 years, mm -hmm. uh, platonically. Sorry about the background noise. It's, it's live. It's real life. <laughs> they're coming for us. They are coming for us. Uh, they're like, stop talking shit on passions. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I, I was kissing this guy that I've known for fucking over a decade and it's weird. It's weird. Um, yeah. So it's not really all that different from, from that. I think, I think the only difference is on a soap, you, there's, there's just the everydayness of it. Like right, exactly. Every day right. for the last five years and we've pulled pranks and done dumb shit and like right. gotten drunk and um, it's also funny, like I, cause I never cared, you know, I'd have to make out with girls all the time on Boy Meets World and uh, I also think part of it is being young, 
you just don't care. <laughs> like, right. Now it would be a bigger deal. Like now I'd be like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm going to be making out with this person. I just met them five minutes ago. Like that's weird. And this makes me uncomfortable. But you know, when I was 15 through that was the dream. That was, yeah, <laughs> I really, like I honestly remember being like, oh, who cares? It's a sex scene, you know? And like, now it would be a bigger deal. Like now for right. whatever reason, I, my own insecurities are just wisdom. I don't know what it is, but like I have way less way less interested you know in doing that as as part of an acting I mean, job I think it would be kind of exciting in a way like uh-huh. yeah. I mean depend if you mm-hmm. if that person was attractive and you were attracted right. to them yeah. um because it's legal and I've known you for a long time and <laughs> You're really cool and well, yeah. let's make out. I don't know. Right. Or it would just be awful. It, it, right. I think it would just depend on the person. Well, that's also why a lot of actors, you know, meet and are romantically in the same storyline and then oh, end like, up being together. And end up being together. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, right. they're like, well, this feels really great. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you're soft. <laughs> you're, you're soft. About, he talked right. about this. Didn't you talk about it in the last? Uh, pot about how watching Passions now because we're having to go back and watch it. Oh. He he, you can tell it. Sorry, I no, like, I don't. I like remember. to speak for my husband. I don't remember. <laughs> when yeah. you, when <laughs> you, you were remind me. talking about touching my arm. Oh yeah, touching your arm. Yeah, I I yeah, that was that was wild. I we were at a funeral. Her character, my character, and I was. We were always, you know, like you would at a funeral. It's my aunt just died and her best friend, and you know, and I and I realized that we were intimately taking care of each other like touch, touch physically touching physically each other. touching each other, each other way like before yeah way before yeah. we were even romantically involved and it was right. so interesting because i would have these memory recalls of mm. of that touch and right. i enjoyed it at work because i was in love with her right clearly attracted yeah. to her and i i liked her in on so many levels and it was just it was funny i was like oh my god like we that was kind of our destiny, you know what I mean? We it's the chemistry she talks about. It's the chemistry. You could have been raping her in the next episode. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 knew how to write. No. <laughs> yeah. Then you would have gotten then, me sooner. But then at the same time, <laughs> oh I had God. met Lindsay, who played Teresa, and I was just like, when I saw there her on set, I was just like, sparks. oh my God, this is, I can't believe I get to kiss her every day. Right. And then we have a sex scene, and I'm like, don't date her. <laughs> Don't have sex with her because oh this will God. blow up in your face. <laughs> I can't believe so you had you had a sex scene yeah. your first day. That's what you were yes. talking about. Like, that yeah. is insane. Oh my God. To me. On a beach. It was on his first like professional acting job on a soap opera and first day, and you had to be naked on a beach. Naked. That is yeah. awful. Yeah, <laughs> Just sounds like a nightmare. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I'm embarrassed for you. Oh. Yeah. It, it was. <laughs> And yeah, the director oh, was a total paid, asshole. Sweetheart, it was I did. I got paid seven hundred fifty dollars. Ready, I just wrote an essay for seven hundred fifty dollars, and I didn't get to kiss didn't anyone. You didn't even have to he was well, naked I, on a beach. I wrote it with no pants on. Yeah, trust me, you got the better deal, my friend. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god all right well do we have any uh closing thoughts on uh on no when to her or soap operas in general anything uh well just... we didn't get to the the notes on the text <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's a dissertation todd this so for every or anything there's also uh she footnotes this book thoroughly and so thoroughly. i was so excited to see that like the book was actually over. I was like, oh, I there's all these pages I don't have to read. Like, don't have to read. <laughs> Wait, yes. You were always a good review. 
Oh yeah, no, sorry. I, I was doing what Travis did. I would look at the notes every time I'd get a footnote. I would go in the back and. Oh, oh no! Wow, that's that's wow. a rookie move. So naive. If, <laughs> if you'd gone to college, you know you never do that. Yeah, It's either in the text or doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta learn how to cut corners. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, here's notes on page ninety-five. At one of his low points, Steve kidnapped Kayla's sister-in-law, Hope, tied her up. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. I, I do have to say one thing um, that I've uh, we talked about beforehand, but like when I was talking about my sister's relationship to soap operas, um, like my sister was deeply in love with Cruz Castillo from mm -hmm. Santa Barbara. And I got to tell you, it was... It was her first inter interracial relationship was with Cruz Castillo. <laughs> My sister was head over heels for yeah. Cruz. Like yeah. it all like she he had replaced Rick Springfield entirely. Her, because he was in her house every, every single day. Oh my god. Yeah. She, it was like Cruz. All she could talk about was Cruz, Cruz, Cruz. Like like you thought Cruz Castillo a was a person. Yeah. Right, right, right. Wasn't oh. he? Well, I, I mean, I guess, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, oh my God, so deeply in love with him. And then something happened and then it was over. Over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah, happens. Yeah. No, I don't know what happened, but that relationship. How old was she, Todd? This is like teenage years or preteen? It was like, she was like 13. Or yeah. 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 It's we pretty intense that, that age, you know? It was like Julia with horses. <laughs> <laughs> You just wait. There's a horse book episode. It's gonna come your way. Gonna You're gonna come. be knocked I've, on your ass. I've heard of this horse book stuff. I'm excited. <laughs> there are thousands, if not millions, of former and current ho horse girls ready for this conversation. Oh, God. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Natalie and Travis, for coming on and making thank us read you. this page. Yeah, you're awesome. You guys are wonderful. <laughs> this is great. But yeah, I really appreciate it. And everybody should go and listen to their their podcast called Passions for Life. It is hysterical and disturbing, and, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's really for me like it's it's super fascinating just to 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 really investigate the life of of being an actor. You know, like yeah. it's one of those. It, it's a very intimate look at what it feels like, what your first day of set was like. I mean, that for me, because, you know, it's like one of those subjects we actually don't talk about that often. We, don't. we never talk we, about work, really, yeah. We don't, we just sort of, it's like work is work and then we talk about our real life, but it's such a part of our real life, uh, especially when you were younger. Um, so it was really great to hear. Um, so anyway, thank you guys and, for coming And where, where can folks get your shows? Is it everywhere? Podcast it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, and, uh, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, go to our Instagram pages. We'll let you know how to do that. We're the worst. <laughs> You'll social find media, it. Social media. You'll find it. Uh, it's social out there. Media. Yeah, Passions social media. Passions for Life. Pod. Literary Disco is produced and edited by Justin Alvarez for Lit Hub Radio. You can reach out to us directly on Twitter at Literary Disco. Happy reading, everybody. Thanks for listening.